I just plastered my face on this table in the dark. Am I bleeding? It, uh, if it swells up, I'll be okay. If it starts bleeding, I'll need stitches, but I'm all right. Oh, man. But, but what a great worship time. Yeah. Wow. We are in our uh, second week of this Be a Light series, and uh, I, was, I was kind of reflecting. Like last week, I told you I was reflecting back uh, a couple years ago. This week, I started reflecting way back. It was the spring of 1987, and the pastor of this church at the time invited me to come and be the youth pastor of this church. There was less than 100 people. There was two middle schoolers, and I was going to be the youth pastor. Uh, about three years later, the church invited me to be the lead pastor, so that, that changed my life, and changed the trajectory of where I thought I was going to do and where I thought I was going to be. 1988, Michelle invited me to be her husband. <laughs> no, I asked her, something like that. But I was just thinking of the power of invitations. You know, maybe think back in your life, like an invitation to, to meet someone, an invitation to start a job, an invitation, whatever it is, there's some pretty amazing invitations that, that really change the course of life for us. And today we're talking about the most important invitation that we could ever give, you know, anyone. Um, I don't know if it's just me. This sounds super loud for me. Is it super loud for you guys? It's kind of loud. They're all kind of like, yeah, it's a little loud for them. Uh, so here's what I want to do. I want to review quickly where we were last week, and then we're going to uh, jump into this. But this is what we were talking about last week. Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. And remember, then he turned around and he said, but you are the light of the world. Check this out. This is Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what we were talking about last week, to, to be the light. We understand God's challenge to us, his invitation to us to, to be the light of the world. And then we said this, we want to pray specifically. And so we talked about our top five list. And if you're brand new, our top five list are at least five people that we know and love and care about who we know need, desperately need a relationship with Jesus. Let, let me give you an example of this. This Saturday, I'll be doing a memorial service for a guy named Dave Driscoll. And I've told this story here at Community before, but his service is this week. So let me just remind you of this. Dave um, was friends of people in our church, Mike and Mary Moreland, for years and years and years. Um, Mary had worked with him, like in fire department stuff, and they, they knew each other. They had been praying for Dave for years. In the fall of 2003, we built this building. We, we got into it in January of 2004. But in the fall of 2003, before we laid the carpet down, we had our whole church come in here, and we wrote names of people all over this floor who needed Jesus. Dave Driscoll's name is right about where that front row is, right in front of the baptistry. They weren't even living in Hemet at the time. No plans to move to Hemet when Mike and Mary wrote their name there and started praying for him specifically. Years later, he retires. What else do you do? Move to Hemet. That's what retired people do, right? So they move to Hemet. They get here, and uh, it's not too long until Mike and Mary invite them to church. And, and Dave's wife's like, yeah, I'm all over that. Dave was a little reluctant, but he, he finally came, showed up. Just because of some similar interest, we became friends. And while he was battling uh, melanoma, he had, 
he had been given five years, by the way. He went 18 years. Um, I went with him to some of his chemo treatments and just sat with him and waited for him to get done and then drove him home. Um, we became friends over time. And then one day, Dave, I think he was actually coming back from one of those treatments, he said, so this whole baptism thing, you think I need to do that? <laughs> I'm like, are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus? If so, then yeah, you know. And he goes, okay, let's do it. So just a few feet from where his name is on the floor, Dave was baptized over there. So I get to do his service on Saturday knowing full well where he is for all eternity. Why? Because somebody prayed for years for that guy. And you might have people in your life that you've been praying for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I'm just going to tell you, don't give up. I heard a story this week of somebody who it took 40 years. Like, what if the person would have given up in 39? Like, I think I'm done praying for this person. 39 years, I'm done. No, it took 40 years of praying specifically for that person. And then we talked last week about loving boldly. And this is the idea. We're going to talk about inviting someone to meet Jesus, but it's, it's this love that is the foundation and gives credibility. It's, it's the love that they experience in a relationship with us that helps us really know. It helps them know. They can trust us. And so when the invitation comes... You know, they're ready. They're ready to hear it. They're ready to listen to it. They're, they're maybe ready to respond to it. So we're going to look at an invitation, and we're going to look at it through the eyes of a story Jesus tells. And, I, and this is one of my favorite stories. It's one of those parables Jesus tells, and there's a larger context. If you go to read chapter 14 yourself, you can kind of see what happens right before this and why, you know, Jesus tells this particular story. But I want you to see this. Jesus replied, because of everything that's been happening before, but we're going to just jump in. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Goes, so here's the idea. So let's say you're going to throw a party, I'm going to throw a party. We get everything set up, like the, the banquet hall is ready. The balloons, it's kind of like, release the balloons, open the doors. Like, this is going to be awesome, right? This is going to be so cool. But they, the people invited, they all alike began to make, what's that word right there? Excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. So I, I got to just stop for a second. Several years ago, I was using this story, but I didn't want to take the time to just to read it. So I just quickly told the introduction and I said it like this. So they all began to give excuses. One guy got some property, had to go see it. One guy got some oxen, had to try him out. One guy got married, he had to try her out. <laughs> didn't come out like I had hoped, right? All right, well, let's keep going because Jesus has a great story here. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. Now, check this out. This is really important. Go out. What's that word? Quickly, so there's like, there's some intensity here. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Now, we're not done with the story yet, but, but just getting this far, I, I, I don't want you to miss this. The church that Jesus is building, and this is why it's so exciting, the church that Jesus is building is open to people who are crippled, blind, and, and lame, and messed up. 
and trip over themselves. In fact, the church is open to messy people, period. Should be open to messy people, period. I think that, that's the church that Jesus is, is building. That's the church that he's all about. Now let me just kind of sidetrack for a little bit. There's a place in Jesus' times called Caesarea Philippi. We see that he traveled there maybe, maybe once. We don't see a whole lot there. In fact, it's a pretty famous place because this is where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? It was a pretty interesting conversation, but finally Peter just says, you, you are the Christ. You're the Son of God. And this place, Caesarea Philippi, uh, was, was not really anywhere near where Jesus ordinarily did ministry, like in Galilee or down south in Jerusalem. This is way up north. This is by the Syrian border, Lebanon border. It's probably a seven days walk for him and his disciples just to get there. But that's where they headed. That's where they went. And what I want you to see is there's the Temple of Pan in this area, Caesarea Philippi. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the Las Vegas of idol worship, what happens at the Pan Festival stays at the Pan Festival. This was a raucous, crazy, disgusting, disturbing place. There was a lot happening there that was wrong, um, but it was all based on their god, small g, Pan, who was half man, half goat. And so they would come to this place, Caesarea Philippi, for this festival, and a lot of things would happen, but let me just kind of break it down for you. Really handsome people would show up, like four and a half years ago, Michelle and I were in the Holy Land, we got to go here. But you see these little niches, and you'll see, I'll back up in a minute, you'll see this big cliff. They had these niches all over this cliff, and that's where they would put idols, that's where they would put these things, and there was all kinds of idol worship and all that kind of stuff going on. And it would, maybe, maybe a better way to say it would be like this, it was kind of like it was kind of like Mardi Gras, spring break, and anything else you can imagine multiplied by a thousand. That was Caesarea Philippi. That was this place, all right? So they have all these niches all over the place, and then they have this big cavern. Now, down in there, below there, which there's been earthquakes since, and it's all filled up with rubble, but there was about an 800-foot drop, and then there was a river down there. And the river would come out later. You, could, you can see we actually walked by the river. But there, there's like an 800-foot drop here. And the people believe this was the gateway to the underworld. Another way to say it, this is the gateway to hell. And so their, their worship experience was not like you and I have a worship experience, all right? So this was uh, idol worship, um, horrible things. Um, I don't even know how to say some of this stuff appropriately. Um, because, their, because their god Pan was both man and goat, they engaged in prostitution and other things with people and goats. They burned babies as a part of their worship experience. All of this to kind of summon hell, to summon the underworld to be present in their life. That's what was going on here. And you say, why in the world would Jesus go there and have this discussion with his disciples? Who do you say I am? Sometimes just where Jesus goes is part of the lesson. And maybe for us, part of the lesson would just be simply this. Jesus is not afraid of messy people. In fact, I wrote it down here. Jesus doesn't run from messy people. He runs to them. Remember the images of 9-11? You know, most of us do. You know, you could see everybody running away, and then you'd see the first responders, the police, the firemen running into that building. It's like Jesus runs to the messy people. 
And I think one of the things that gets us a little messed up is in the church, we, we expect people to be a little bit more cleaned up than that. And there's almost the expectation that if you talk like this and you act like us and you behave like us, then maybe, maybe you can kind of belong with us and, and maybe, just maybe, that would work out. But Jesus is just kind of saying like, no, 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 you don't get it. I became one of you so you could get to know me. You, you don't have to clean up before we get to know each other. I just want to meet you where you are. So he travels at least a seven-day walk just to be in this place. And show his disciples the contrast between light and darkness. That, that's what he's pointing out. That, that's what he's all about. And that's what he continues to do in his ministry. Uh, the truth is, I'm confident that there are people who wouldn't come to this church because we have messy people here. I'm confident because I've had conversations with people who said it to me. Like, I just can't go there. I know so-and-so, they go there, and I know some of their problems. Or I can't go there, I know that person, and they're a sinner. I'm like, really? Just come on in. We could always use one more. I'm usually not very kind about those kind of comments. I had one person one time literally walked out after service and said, we, we will never come back. The people sitting in front of us were, and they just named the sin. And I'm like, that's all right. Go find another church where everybody's perfect. Like, seriously, you just don't get it. Jesus is all about messy people. He would run to messy people, not away from them. It's not, it's not uncommon for me to just run into somebody in town who's been to community who I haven't seen for a while. And then the conversation goes something like this. Man, it's just, it's amazing that I ran into you. I got to be honest. I was like, I haven't been doing real well. I've been back on meth. I've been looking at naked people on the internet. And I'm like, join the club, come on back. Like, we, we need each other in this. Whatever you're going through, it's like, we can take that next step forward, but we can do it together, right? So Tamika and Wes run our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Tuesday nights. And, so, and, and, and Tamika was just telling me about this. This just happened. So a week ago, on a Tuesday, a young lady who had been, but wasn't, you know, regularly connected, um, was in Walmart. She was getting alcohol and razor blades. And she got up to the counter, and, and so that it wouldn't look odd, she also grabbed some other stuff. But all she wanted was alcohol and razor blades. So she gets up to the counter, and it's her turn to pay. So she starts looking in her purse, and she can't find her debit card. Now she can't pay. And as she's, like, rummaging through there, she keeps, like, hitting this other card. It's not her debit card. It's, it's her Celebrate Recovery card. And she just puts it back in her purse. She leaves everything, and she just walks away. The person's like, do you want this stuff or not? Do you want this? She doesn't even answer. She just gets in her car. It's a Tuesday. She drives over here and sits in the parking lot for two hours until they showed up. See, she knew this is a place that messy people could come. And it's not, by the way, we don't relegate our messy people to only show up on Tuesdays. A bunch of you are here right now. <laughs> a bunch of you are watching online. It's all right, you know. Like, this is the church. And I've just got to say it, like, for the rest of my life, I want to be a pastor to messy people. I'm not interested in being a pastor to perfect people. I just, I don't know any to start with. And the people that think they are aren't that much fun to be around. I love the church of Jesus because messy people 
and forgotten people and marginalized people and the blind and the lame and the crippled, um, both physically and emotionally and spiritually, are invited. Like it's for everyone. That's, that's what the church is all about. And you remember Jesus in his story, he says, okay, so they all made excuses, so go quickly. Remember that part? Go quickly. There's like some intensity here, intentionality here. And so he says, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is, what's that say? Still room. But there's still room. I, uh, I got the idea of this series from a friend of mine. There's, a, there's some really, really great friends of mine around the country, different pastors. We share ideas. And Gene Apple is over in uh, Anaheim at Eastside Church. And uh, just, I just, I love the way they handled this series. And so I got some of their stuff and started working on that. But he said something that really, I never even thought about it this way. He said, did you know that in America, there are four times more churches than McDonald's? So here's his conclusion. That might be like, so? Here's his conclusion. We don't really have a seating issue. We have a mission issue. We don't have a seating. We don't have a space issue. We have a mission issue. And part of the reason that maybe people don't get it is because people still think they got to get cleaned up before they can walk in. Or people think that somebody needs to be cleaned up before they can invite them. And that's not the messy people that Jesus dealt with or invited or hung out with. See, sometimes people are like, I'm not sure I can invite that person. Their life's too messy. But here's the truth. That is a future church leader. That might be a future pastor. That might be a future missionary. You don't know what God can do in their life. They're just, that's who they are now. But he doesn't have a hold of them yet. So it's like, invite them. That's what God can do. He can do what we can't even expect, right? So we've been talking in terms of everybody bringing five people this year, like all of us. I told you last week, there was a guy, like the week after we said this for the very first time in January, he brought a family of six and was done. I said, no, you're not done, buddy. Keep going. Keep, keep inviting. But we're all trying to bring at least five more people this year with us, like all of us. I got my people I'm praying about. I'm inviting. I got to figure that out. And we've got people who are coming. And we've got people who maybe aren't on our list, but we're going to run into. Like we, we ran into somebody a couple weeks ago at a restaurant, and they were waiting on us at the table. And then she actually just said, you're, you're a pastor, right? What church is it? And so I told her, and she said, what are your services? Like, I didn't even have to work for this one. And she came the next week. I was like, that's awesome. But she wasn't on my top five, so I don't really care. No, it's like God <laughs> brought her to my table. It's like God can do all of that, so we're, we're going to be ready, right? Here's what I figured out, though. While we're talking about being a light, there is a point that I think for a lot of Christians freaks them out. Right? In, in the invitation process, there's a point where somebody's kind of just moving along and then they become a Christian. So this is before Christ. This is after they met Christ. This is the change that we hope for and pray for. But it's a spot right around here that everybody gets a little anxious, a little nervous. Oh, no, what if I say it wrong? What if, what if I ask the question wrong? What if, what if I blow it in some way and then they don't ever accept just like, oh. So there's an anxiety. Let me just kind of like take some of that fear and anxiety away, Okay. So we're going to do it like this. This is a scale. So like minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four, minus five, minus six. And Dave Swenson, 
was over there, minus, no, I don't, just kidding you, man. All right, so we, we're all at different stages before we come to know Christ. So some may be a little closer, some may be a little further, it doesn't matter. But here's what you need to know. Instead of worrying about this spot right here, just get them from nine to eight. How do we do that? We love them boldly. We're their friend. You know what, maybe one of the reasons they feel far from Jesus is because they've met Christians. And they didn't like what they saw or experienced. And so maybe, maybe we're the one that's going to change that attitude a little bit, change their perception a little bit. So then we, we spend more time with them. We move to a six, move to a five. By the way, you invite them. They, they start showing up. They're still not a Christian, but they start showing up. And then you got a whole bunch of people helping you. You know, you got people who are teaching, people who are greeting, people who are doing worship, people who are taking care of their kids. They're beginning to see God through the lens of different people too. And they just keep moving. And at some point, it's, by the way, you don't save them and neither do I. At some point, God, by his spirit, gets a hold of their heart and they're like, okay, I'm in. So instead of sweating and getting anxious about that moment, just deal with the moment you're in and love them. That's why we talked about that last week. Like, love them boldly. Like, just reach out to them. Be their friend. They're not perfect. You're not perfect either. But you just know, you know about Jesus. So just keep nudging them along that path. And as they get to know him, they'll get to make the most important decision of their life. But the most important invitation, no matter where they're at along here, is you, by being their friend, inviting them to come and just check it out. Just come and see. So there's, there's a three-word, two-step strategy that our church has been talking about for years. So I'm going to let you in on it. It's not top secret. It's real simple. Here it is. Invest and invite. Everybody say it. One more time. Invest and invite. Another way we've said it too is like be a friend and bring a friend. It's the same concept. But we invest in the relationship. We spend time with them. And then at some point as we've established trust, as they know that we love them, we care about them, we invite them, and there's credibility to that invitation, and they're going to want to come and check it out. And you, we've already been giving you the statistics, you know, this many people, that many people, they'll say yes if, here's one I came across again this week. Four out of five people would say yes to an invitation to church. Listen to this. If they were invited by someone they, what? Trusted. Well, how do you get there? By being their friend. By loving boldly. By coming alongside of them even though they're messy. It's like that, that's what it means. Like let them see Christ live out in your life so that they trust you. Then they're going to be more ready to say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Yes, I want to go. Yes, I want to do this. Here's another cool thing I saw this week. Jesus has about 132 different in, in, encounters with people, like one-on-one, -on -one, um, in, in the New Testament. Only six of them were in the temple. Only four of them were in a synagogue. Check this out. 122 of those were contacts just with people out in mainstream of life. It's like when Jesus is going to a wedding when Jesus is going on a fishing trip with his buddies, when Jesus is just doing life with people, he's not just hanging out at the temple waiting for everybody to come find him. He literally went to them. He actually would go to Caesarea Philippi. He would actually go to some of these places so that he, he could meet them. And another great location for Jesus was Samaria. Most Jews wouldn't go there. In fact, to get from Galilee to Jerusalem, the straight shot was right through Samaria, but most of them would go all the way around because they didn't want to Oh, those people were messy. But Jesus goes right to the heart of it. 
And I, wa I want you to see this because I think this is kind of important. It's, it's very important. In John chapter 4, Jesus goes right through the heart of Samaria, stops. His disciples go grab some food in town. And while he's there by himself, this lady comes out. And maybe you know this story. We call it the woman at the well because there was a woman at a well. That's why we call it that, right? So she comes out of town, and, you know, there's more of the backstory. Maybe it's interesting. She's, she's been married five times. The guy she's living with now is not her husband. And the reason she's alone is probably because the other women think she's messy and don't want to have anything to do with her. So she comes out later in the day, and Jesus is there, and they start talking. And, and through this engaging conversation, while it's the first time she met him, she knows this, this man is different. This, this man just might be the Messiah. He might be the Christ, the Son of God. So she runs back into town, and she begins to invite boldly. She begins to invite boldly. So check this out. Uh, before people need a Bible verse, people need a friend. Okay, let me say that again. Before people need a Bible verse, they need a friend. And that's why as we trust and as we develop trust, they're going to be more anxious, more open to hear what we have to say. So this lady runs back into town, and she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but this is what happens. The town comes out. They, they know her. They know how messy her life is. They know something's up. It's, it's worth checking out. And the whole town comes out, and there's this massive revival that happens, and tons of people in this town come to accept Jesus as Lord. Like, they, they, they know he is the Messiah. And then they even say, not just because you said so, but we've seen for ourselves now. But why did they go? Because she said so. By the way, she didn't have all the answers. She probably still had way more questions than answers. Her life wasn't cleaned up yet. It was still pretty messy. But even her invitation got people to find Jesus. So don't wait for your life to be perfect before you start inviting people. Just tell them, you know what? Um, I'm struggling too, but I found some help. Why don't you come with me? What if they say, well, what about this question? What about that question? That's all right. I, I don't know for sure, but I just know this, this Jesus He's making everything different in my life. This church family, I, I found people who accept me, who love me, who care about me. Just come and check it out. Come and see, like she said. That's what we want to see happen. I mean, again, there's a lot she didn't know. But she still invited people. Anybody know what this is? What do you call this? A bungee cord, right? This is a brand new and even smells good. If you like that sort of weird smell, I get, apparently I'm weird. So a bungee cord is really no value if it's not stretched. Probably like us, it's more comfortable not stretched, but it does what it's supposed to do when it's stretched. Then, you know, it can hold things in place. Then it can, I'm really being careful with the, recent bruise I have, I'm just like, yeah, sure, I'm going to hit the other side of my face now. But it reminds me a lot of us. Like we're, we're more comfortable when we're not stretched, but we're more useful when we're stretched. And it's going to stretch you to maybe get out of your comfort zone, to have some conversations with people, to invite them, to, to say, hey, you know, come check this out. Like, I, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. But, man, I'm, I'm getting some help. I'm finding some hope. I'm finding some answers. Come, come with me. It's like 
that's going to stretch you, but that's, that's when God's going to use you too. So, so keep that in mind. Like we need to be stretched in order for God to use us like only he can use us. Now let's get back to our parable. Okay, remember the, the master says, go out into the streets, into the alleys, bring them in, crippled, blind, lame, go get them, everybody, because I want my, my house, check this out. He says, because I want my house full. Listen to this. Then the master told us a servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes, compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Like Jesus is telling the story because he wants people to know, I think in particular, he's talking to Jewish leaders and he's wanting them to know God's going to open the door for everybody. It's not just who you think it's going to be. Like Gentiles, messy people. Every, God's inviting everybody now to have a relationship with him. But, but I love that line right there. He wants his house full. Well, why is that? Is that it's just so the church is going to get bigger? No. It's just so that more people can find hope. And how do we put a cap on that? Like, okay, I think that's enough people. I, man, we got enough to handle now. Is that, is that really our call? <laughs> when he said, just keep going, keep asking. Like, I want my house full. That's what God wants for us. That's what God wants, you know, through us. Now, one of the things I want you to understand before I wrap this up is that some of you might be the invitee. Some of you might be the neighbor. And you're listening to this and you're going, aha! Now I know what you community people are up to. Trying to get us all in here. And you're figuring it out. And I'm like, yep, actually we don't have anything to hide. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you meet Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. And then unashamedly, that's what we're trying to do. But maybe we could agree on a few things. Like for starters, we think everybody's going to die. Everybody. You probably think that too, even if you're not a Christian. Yeah, yeah. We also think that we're all going to continue to live somehow beyond this life. And some people believe that. Some people don't. Some people have different ideas about what that's going to look like. But, but here's what we would say as followers of Jesus. We're all going to die, and I think we're going to keep living somehow beyond that. But we're just going to trust the one who died and then who rose from the dead and then told us what it's like and what to do. And that's Jesus. We're going to listen to him. We're going to pay attention to him. We're going to follow him with like everything we've got. That, that's what we're going to do. That's where we're going to put our hope. That's where we're going to put our trust. We're going to continue to lean into him. And if we didn't try to tell you that, and it may at times come across like we're pestering or we're bugging or bribing like, hey, if you go to church with me, I'll take you out for ice cream or whatever. And then you find out, no, they just have free ice cream on Thursday nights. My friend didn't do anything special. And it might seem like we're pestering or bugging or, or bribing, but here, here's the truth. If, if we had the cure for cancer and we kept, kept that to ourselves, what would you think of us, Right? So those of us who know and love Jesus, now, now we realize like who he is. Now, now we know like he's the answer. He's the hope. We're not going to stop talking about him. We're not going to stop inviting people. We're not going to stop. Not because we want to be annoying. It's just that, man, we found the cure. And it's not a formula. 
You're not going to find it in a self-help book. It's, it's found in the person of Jesus. We're just going to follow him. Follow his leader. We're going to keep inviting people to do that as well. And so, yes, in two weeks it's Easter. And more people are prone to come to an Easter service than any other time during the year. Even more than Christmas, which is number two. And so I'm going to encourage you, people who call community your home, keep loving and keep inviting. Be that light. Be that light. Let's pray. God, for all of us who follow you, for all of us who oh, have found our faith and our hope in you, we trust you. We just say thank you. And even though our lives are still messy, we're so glad that we're in your hands now and you're the one that's cleaning us up. God, for anybody here, this is new and they're still sorting this out. I pray, God, that you would continue to, to show yourself, reveal yourself to them. Thank you that they're here. Thank you that maybe they're just watching right now, listening. So, God, by your spirit, meet them. Invite them yourself into that relationship that only they can have through you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen. I'm going to challenge you, man. This is not the end of the service. Like, this might be the end of our time here, but it's the beginning of you and I going out making a difference this week. So we're going to wrap this time up together by singing a little bit together. If you want somebody to pray with you afterwards, make your way to the front. And then, yeah, we do have ice cream outside. So let's stand together.